Alito, Chimichukma. Welcome to Real Indigenous, where these real indigenous peeps get real about what's on our screen and everything in between. This week, we are going to be chatting about Thor, Love, and Thunder. With me, bringing her thoughts, feelings, and critical minds is... Angela Starts. You know I met Thor before, right? No, when did you meet Thor? He was at the pharmacy buying a big bucket of Icy Hot. And I asked him, hey, man, what's wrong? Why are you getting this Icy Hot? He said, that's because I'm Mighty Thor. It's Taika's second Thor movie. It's Thor's fourth movie in the series from Marvel. Not and counting the two Avengers, or th four G Avengers movies. So all in all, in Marvel, he's been in eight movies. And he's still the longest running. I think everybody else has kind of dropped out from the OG. Yeah, I think he's been there since 2012. So 10 years. Wow. That's a long time to play one character. And he wants to play more. All because of Taika, mostly, right? Um, I don't know. I I wonder if they knew each other. I know that he's an Aussie and Taika is a Kiwi. So I don't know if they if if they ever met or worked together. They're working together now. They are now. We'll give a quick summary. And if you haven't seen it, don't listen. This will have some spoilers in it. We're gonna spoil it like raw meat left out on a hot summer day. Jane Foster's back. Thor has kind of decided to get through his depression and he's hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. There's distress happening throughout the universe. Gods are dying. Oh, that's right. The gods are dying. And Sif sends out a distress signal. His when last friend standing, he's got to go save. So when they're searching for their next adventure, her message pops up. So that's when they part ways. So he goes to get her and they learn about the God Killer. Isn't that what they're what he's called? Gore the God Killer, played by Batman. I don't know his real name. Christian Bale. So it's a quest to stop him from killing other gods. And in their quest for victory, he runs into is she the Mighty Thor? That is correct. So Jane Foster shows up as the Mighty Thor. Of course, our friend Tessa Thompson. Valkyrie. Valkyrie. She's, you know, gets back with the band. And they head to, it's, they don't call it Olympus, but it's a, a place where all of the gods gather. So they try to enlist the help of these higher level gods to battle the god killer and things go wrong and they are on their own. So in the meantime, the children of the village have been stolen of New Asgard. So they've got to get the kids back. They got to stop the god killer. Hilarity ensues. Actually, you know, everything turns out okay. Does it? So, really? but does it? <laughs> I found this interesting when, okay, so my first impressions of watching it were just like, okay, this is a great popcorn movie. It plays it for a lot of laughs, a lot of yucks. It has a broad appeal to different age groups because Thor's daughter plays Gore's daughter in this. Okay. And I'm sure everybody's, I mean, if you follow him on Instagram, you've seen her. She's, a little go-getter she'll jump off of cliffs with him and go sit and go uh, surfing with him and I mean she's just cute as a button and they seem to get along really really well on their adventures it's got him it's got Kat Denning shows up as a little cameo who else shows up Guardians of the Galaxy or a cameo Dr. Selvik has a cameo on a computer yeah 
and of course oh, we good, didn't mention taika as a uh, korg that's what i was about to bring okay. up or okay. our, our good friend korg shows back up he's voiced by taika he's eh, is he a cameo i mean uh, meek is korg's he, homeboy little scissor man oh yeah yeah mika does show a person out love with them so there, yeah there's lots of little easter eggs lots of little nods to different marvel movies little winks and stuff like that so yeah, my first impression was like, oh, it's a good summer popcorn movie, kind of harkening back to the early days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where it was all just kind of big and cartoony. But then, you know, I watched, we watched the Easter egg thing and started talking about Ragnarok, Ragnarok and some of the more native themes that Taika is bringing into this universe. And so that completely shifted my thought processes about the whole thing. And what did you think? about the movie overall movie the whole movie so so yeah yeah initial thoughts basically was that i liked it and as a summer movie i think it's probably one of the better summer movies this year not that i watched a lot of summer movies and actually i liked all all the summer movies i've watched so far so this was up there with it it was equal to me to the previous one which was thor ragnarok and so, and those two are probably the better of the Thor movies. I don't know where they rank in all the overall Marvel movies, but they're the better of them because, you know, they kind of, you know, take this comedy element and it's the same kind of story structure as Ragnarok, where it's basically a road movie across the galaxy of these guys trying to stop the baddie in however form it is this time. And so I did like it. It's fun. It's, you know, silly, cute little comedy. Uh, a bit of a, like a romantic comedy element, whereas I don't think the Marvels have gone into a full romantic com- comedy. This is probably like their, you know, because they always have like a subgenre which it, within their films. And to me, this one was kind of like a romantic comedy. Yeah, there is that element where they discuss their relationship, right. which previously has been ignored. I mean, and I've seen th- said this before, Marvel has always given its female characters short they've all been shortchanged and especially jane foster who you know dark world was i don't know what she was doing in it and then she was completely gone and now all of a sudden she's back it's okay granted marvel hasn't you know in in the canon in the actual comic books they've never really been strong in the older stories with diversity and equity but to me this was bringing these movies to life was a chance to stick with stories and expand on these characters that we don't see that haven't had a lot of attention. And I think Jane was the victim of not updating source material because I don't know, she was just there and then she was gone and now she's back. And then this horrible thing is happening to her and then she's gone. It's kind of like she was more of a means to an end than a well fleshed out character to me in this. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. You know, like, because overall story arc of Jane is she's basically the love interest longing for this handsome man, beefy, handsome man, right? And, and you know, and she's she's a super intelligent human being who has love problems, you know, throughout the Thor, two th- last two Thor movies. And like, even at the end of, uh, what was it? Uh, the second one, The Dark World. You know, at the end, she's sitting there all melancholy because he's gone and wondering if he'll ever come back. And then when he shows up, she lights up. Oh, Thor, you're back now. We, I can be happy. I can be a full person. 
you know, and so you have those kind of problems with her character. And like you said, I had heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but there was a producer who did the early Marvel movies who really didn't want those kind of diversities and, and was very like old school, like male centric dude. And they kind of like let him go and let Kevin Feige kind of take over. And that's when it kind of changed more into this diversity. But even then our BIPOC female problems are, have kind of happened. And the only time that they're not is probably when it's on their TV series. Exactly. Yeah, because you had Alias, what was before that, where it was a strong female character. I don't know. That's probably alias. from Alias on. <laughs> regard- oh, that's just not Alias. What was her name? Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, from Jessica Jones on is probably when they started changing the development. You had uh, the Luke Cage, you know, and those yeah. were in the TV series. In Guardians of the Galaxy, you probably had like, two people color, two female, or, or a female character who was strong, even two female characters, actually, the two sisters. Yeah, the sisters. And they the, actually pass the Bechtel test because they do talk about stuff other than love interests. Right. And so, but they're still secondary characters as opposed to being the main character. Yeah. And then, of course, what happens in these Avengers movies, who are the two people that die off? The two women, right? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we don't get Black Widow's solo movie until after she's dead. So we go back into the past to play one of her stories. Right. Which I really liked that movie. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. My friends and I, all of us are geeky girls and we all sat down and watched it and really loved it and wish that number one, COVID hadn't interfered with the release date. And number two, that that movie would have been earlier in the series. Right. She deserved to have that. I mean, yeah. Captain, Captain Marvel is fun and everything, but I mean, it's she's still kind of a one-dimensional character, which is not unlike Tony Stark, to be honest. I will say another thought that I had about all of this is in comparison with the DC universe in that Thor is kind of like Superman. He's super strong, super good looking, and like really a good person and And those types of characters can be super boring, which is why I'm surprised that there's now four Thor movies. And I can now understand why everybody likes Taika coming in and kind of breathing some fresh air into it by putting some humor into it and making Thor, he's kind of more bumbling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that a good description of, because he's just kind of a, would dork work? Yeah, I think so. And and it kind of doing that, it kind of holds more more into the Norse mythology of who Thor was, because Th- Thor was just kind of just brawn. And that's why Loki could always trick him and, and get away with things because Thor was easy to be manipulated. And I think that's what also makes it fun, too, because, you know, you're going at least for like people who pay attention to the mythology part of it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's more like a, in line of how Thor was. So yeah, it's really hard to give a super good person layers. So a lot of the, I mean, Ragnarok, I think really brought out more layers just because Thor was forced into a leadership role that he really, a a more empathetic leadership role, which I think Taika brought forward into this one as he, at the beginning, he's still kind of 
you know, he's kind of separated himself from everybody and he's a God. And so he's just going to hang out and be cool until somebody comes and asks him for help. And that's kind of how the whole thing opens. And just because, I mean, he's been through a lot, this guy. I don't blame him for having a dad bod because he lost a lot in his life. So his journey back to God bod was kind of, it was pretty quick, but it was really well done. Then, you know, he's back to being kind of a, well, I'm a God, da, 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 da. but then it isn't until he gets to omnipotent city. I, I remembered <laughs> that he realizes that these higher level gods are kind of dicks. Can I say that on the podcast? Say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of dicks. They're like, and and some the gods that they list off were were kind of fun to go through. You know, we we looked them up, or we tried to look them up, but I don't think a full list has come out yet. But Quetzalcoatl's in there. Bow, Zeus. Um, what's the Wakanda one? Bast. Bast shows up. The the isn't one of the gods from Moon? Not Moonraker. Moon Knight. <laughs> moon record <laughs> james bond <laughs> fucking jaws whoops moon knight wasn't the god from moon knight there or one of them i i didn't notice but that doesn't mean anything so they're pulling in some of the other deities from other series i didn't see a gin which would have been from ms marvel but it was opening weekend so maybe maybe there was a gin in there i don't know they did kind of have a throwaway line about the the carpenter god which i thought was funny celestials the celestials yeah so it wasn't until we watched the the easter egg videos on youtube that i understood all of those cameos i guess you'd call them cameos from all of the different realms so the that city had you know is way way up there in the world and they don't seem to really care about their quote-unquote subjects which is how the whole thing pretty much opened was gore pleading with his gods for his final reward and his gods saying final rewards what no (laughs) silly person and so that was what started him on this quest to kill everybody plus a few other things and so while he's killing the low level so this gets really classes classicist is that the right word yes that's fun and so this is really a look at how the upper echelon gets the lower i say lower but people that worship them to do all of the dirty work with promises of a better life but yet there's at the at the end of the day there's really not any which this brought up another thought in my head because i don't know if taika realizes this and surely he does because he's a smart guy. But a lot of, I want to say Christian philosophy is like cho- about choosing love, right? You yeah. should choose love, not hate. But kind of if you take a step back and look at it and asking people to choose love, that also kind of keeps that the different class, the classes separate because you're asking people to not necessarily want to better themselves in advance, but to be happy with where they are because they love, but because they're happy and they love. So that doesn't change their station or move them up or make them rebel against the people that are oppressing them. So that I found that interesting that at the end in, in that choosing love was going to make everything better. It also didn't change the structure of society. And I don't, I mean, if 
Taika was trying to subvert these social structures in this conversation, in this movie, but yet it just kind of came back to the way things are right now, the status quo. Yeah. Chime in on that. So when I was thinking about it was like, you know, it's a heavy religious film to me. And, you know, so whatever your religion is, you could see it however you want to see it, you know? And so I, I think, you know, before we talked about how, how the, like uh, the Christians would view this. And at first we thought like, it's a negative story because, you know, it's about killing gods and that's kind of like the atheist perspective. But then as I, we continue talk, talking about it, we were like, actually it is a very positive story about gods and about love and about choosing, like you said, choosing love. And that if I was thinking about it as a indigenous perspective is that not just thinking about classism of, of, religion and classism of of like you know the meek shall inherit the earth kind of thing if you're you know into the christian perspective and and a lot of people say that the reason why that's written in the bible is because they wanted to keep the the classes down and they wanted to say that you know let's tell them it's good to be poor so that we can take all the riches yes and you know if you go to vatican city you'll see you know all these gold and stuff which is maybe even that's what uh omnipotent city is about maybe that's a a reference to oh that's true yeah that's very true yeah yeah and you know the catholic church even pope francis has finally come forward and apologized for the church the catholic church's role in the eradication of indigenous people yeah and so on one scale you could say like on an indigenous level like this guy is killing the gods of starting with the lower echelon people and killing gods because that's, and so we could say even that, what if, if this was a perspective of like the indigenous people that were killed, the indigenous gods, this is a form of his colonialism and making him, and in a way he was himself becoming a god, right? Because he was destroying all gods and becoming all powerful. And in the comic book version of the story, the first God that they find that's murdered is a native God. And I don't know why that was. And yeah. And, oh, and, uh, and so, you know, and so I wonder if that had any kind of linkage to it of like, how, how is it, how are, are we going to deal with religion and the perception of religion on various views? Because that, because I always say, you know, there's like atheism isn't a bad thing. Atheism is whatever you choose. But when you start using your atheism in a very zealotry kind of way, that's when it becomes bad because, you know, people who are like, you know, write books about the, what's so bad about God, what's so bad about this religion or that religion, people are ignorant because they're supernatural believers. And there's other points of view of that. That's what Jane Foster taught us in the previous film where she quotes Arthur C. Clarke and says, magic's just science we don't understand yet. Oh, right. And so, you know, and so the, the reality of like this idea of God is just giving a name to something. And so like with my one of my atheist friends, I used to, I joked with him. He's like, I don't believe there's a power more powerful than me. I say, like, yeah, we'll say that when you're in the eye of a hurricane. And let's see how, how that lasts for you. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, I, and so, you know, and so an eye of a hurricane is whatever the god you want to call that if you want to give it a name as a god but it's the same it has the same power for it it just means you're giving it a different name and so to have like um these lower echelon gods it also talks about the problems with with religion right 
that we those at least who are like uh, hardcore so if we talk about the crazy like uh like hardcore evangelicals they hang on to the old testament stuff and i'm only using christian because i know a lot more about christian than most religions and so they hold on to the old testament shit so you know you always hear i'm putting the ten commandments up on our courthouse we're putting ten commandments up here that's old testament shit if you go to the new testament jesus is saying yeah that shit's past that shit's like all gone we're not fucking into that shit anymore that's you know that, that was that was that shit our shit now is love They're, all sins are equal and and what's the thing you choose the only big sin is you don't choose god as your savior blah 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 but then on top of that when they ask what is god he says god is love and so if you want to take it as what he's really saying is choose love but then we fast forward to present day evangelicals you know, God hates the homosexuals. God hates whatever. Even within this uh, this religious group that I, uh, they had a meeting recently, they're splitting up into different places because one's choosing uh, gays to be pastors and the others are not. And so instead of like accepting that and letting that be, they have to split up into two factions. And so then you're saying, well, if homosexuality is a sin, then why is the why are you allowing people who are divorced? Why are you allowing people who are remarried why are you pe- letting people who eat shellfish yeah so you know and so if it's that big of, and it, if you're really gonna listen to your boy jesus he's all sins are created equal now i'm not saying homosexual is a sin because i don't think it's a sin it's just the way in which you choose to have a relationship with someone or love someone because that's the other thing too they said well they can't procreate if someone can't have a kid because of whatever they went through cancer treatment or whatever they can't procreate either but they'll have a marriage you can always adopt. <laughs> so anyways, I think I went off on a tangent. You did. You were very preacher's kid. <laughs> but um, so like, but the idea that I came with this story was that idea of like, you know, this guy was choosing hate and he was wanting to choose the, um, way oh, the which, Old Testament. Yeah, he was choosing the Old Testament. He wanted to choose the way in which he wanted to punish for his pain and as opposed to rebuilding and redoing or, or finding a way to make the world a better place he wanted to destroy which was the opposite journey of thor who through his journey learned to love right so my next question is being a fully colonized person how are i mean doing everybody keeps saying creator when they talk about stuff but i get the impression that not a lot of indigenous people believe in like a creator but more along the lines of the spirits of the world that we live in like, like somebody would say, like, if, if you were a tribe that ran into tornadoes a lot, you know, that would be some, a spirit that you would talk to. And I don't mean spirit, like in the Western sense, I just mean as it's, it's an entity like you are, mm-hmm. you can have a relationship with and communicate with to ask them to not hit your town or whatever. Or, you know, so my question is, is that I don't know anything about the Maori. So I'm wondering if, and I don't know how traditionally Taika was brought up. So if he holds those views that Western religion is the issue and we need to move back towards a more empathetic, you know, everybody's kind of on the same level, same abilities to give and take and and compromise in order to lift everyone up. Well, Taika Waititi, his last name is actually Cohen, right? 
So I'm assuming he's Jewish. Oh, okay. And whether he had a Jewish upbringing as religious, I don't know. He has a Jewish name, so I'm, I'm wondering if he was raised or not. But um, I, I, I thought I heard that he was more, you know, traditional uh, Maori than than anything. So, yeah, this, what, 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 what was you talking about again? I was just wondering if, if he was more traditional and trying to bring home the point that all of us are kind of on the same celestial plane and we are able to communicate with the tornadoes and the ocean and the wind and and that we all work together to make everything better for everyone, which mm-hmm. seems to be an indigenous way of thinking rather than having this hierarchy. Since I was raised Catholic, you know, with the Pope and the bishops and the da 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 da, indigenous religion, quote unquote religion, seem to be more like, hey, we're all on the same team, let's work together. And right. if you mess up, then dear woman's coming after you. Or if you have a message, then a raven or whatever is going to bring you this message, you know, just to help you out a little bit. Are you trying to deconstruct the Western view of religion in this movie? And that's a possibility. Maybe that would be the next, next movie, I guess, is that he's going to uh, write all the problems with gods. The trouble with gods, that's what it'll be called. He's going to, you know, break down the hierarchy system and and make it more of an equal level playing field. Because like my like religious storyline is that that's where I've come to is that like all these religions are basically the same. And so they're kind of like, you know, there's like, if you're buying a soda pop, if you're buying Coke or Pepsi, they're both soda drinks, right? And so, you know, it, it's just whatever you choose to enjoy. And so to me, it's like, I don't like, I don't think religion is a bad thing. Like many of these, like a hardcore, like atheist are like Hutchison and those copycats, cats, because it's how people want to use it. And I think that's a part of what this story is about too, is it's about how you want to ha- handle your your system of, of thinking. If you want to fucking say everybody's fucking horrible and evil because they they love whatever religion of choice, then that's who you are. That has nothing to do with how you want to. Because, like again, if you take any like if you take any kind of religious text or religious teachings, you can make it to be whatever you want. Absolutely. If you want it to be you a get, positive, get out of context and make it say whatever you want it to say. Right, right. And it doesn't even have to be out of context sometimes, like even like with if you go with, again, Christianity, it does tell you some shitty things. Like you stone a woman who has had sex with another man that's married. You know? <laughs> right. Well, we had discussed that Ragnarok really was a jab at colonialism. Right, right. Which I hadn't realized until you, that was said. And then I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, shit, it is. And about being displaced and about losing your homelands and having to relocate and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and- New Ragnarok is like basically a res where <laughs> that's a tourist attraction now. Right. Like and, so much and- Alaska is like that. I mean, I've heard stories of people, you know, that take these cruises to Alaska and they disembark into these like fantasy villages of Alaska natives, you know, that's not really what happens in the villages at all, you know, and it's some, and it could be some amalgamation of this lower Southeast and the Northwest. And it's like, it's like, it's like that episode of Rutherford Falls where they're talking about Adirondack. She's like, that's from the Southwest. 
that's from the Northeast. That's from Michael's on sale. I mean, you know, they get into these tourist traps that are like the new whatever. At the Asgard. You said Ragnarok a minute ago. I said Ragnarok. Yeah, I meant new Asgard. New Asgard. Yeah. And, and also, like, if we go from Ragnarok to this film, that that trajectory storyline of Asgard is so like, you know, there's the concept of, like you said, colonialism. And it has a two-way streak of it because how we talked about like Hela is on one way we could see as a colonizer trying to take over this Asgard that she thinks is, that is in, in essence rightfully hers. But then on another side of it is that also Odin is the concept of hiding, whitewashing. Whitewashing. And so, you know, you had these two different elements that's happening. And so then what happens is, of course, they have to follow their destiny of Ragnarok to happen. And so their homeland gets destroyed. They're on their galaxy of tears where they're having to go find a new place to live. And along the way, hardship happens, which is what happens with the natives who are put on Trail of Tears. You know, it wasn't like a fucking, you know, a blissful walk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> was it like on a golf course? Like like they had to go 10,000 steps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got caught in blizzards and fucking people were dying, kids and old people and drowning. And so in a way, that's kind of what happened with the, the citizens of Asgard is that this dude comes and starts destroying all, most of them and, until they finally find their home. In in the story of uh, Ragnarok is that, you know, what's his face? The one-eyed dude, Odin, he says home is where the of the people, the people are home. That's kind of like what happens here in Oklahoma, right? It's like, I don't think, of, I do think about going back to Mississippi. Like Mississippi is like a place that I like to be, but but my feeling is like, when I think of home, my home is Broken Bow, Oklahoma, because that's where my tribe is. That's where my family is living. And so that's kind of where I feel as home. Whereas in, but what is it called? Like historically speaking, my home is, pro- is Mississippi and beyond that, probably elsewhere. Well, I and mean, you could take this a step further and look at Love and Thunder and say, well, you know, they stole the kids, residential schools. Right, right. That's kind of, yeah, that's, that was kind of like what I was thinking too, was, was that in a way, and I, I wondered if it would have been a different kind of idea if Christian Bale was like nicer to the kids, what would have happened if he was like more kind? Because he lost his kid. You think he would be? That's true. You know, I mean, a lot of residential school survivors were okay with their experience, but a lot of them suffered horribly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it would have been a very different film if if it had gone the way of Night Raiders, where they stole the children and indoctrinated them into his God-killing theory. Yeah. Or that's, what it could that's probably not in the comic books. The comic book was really complicated. So it's two different stories. It's Gore the God-Killer and uh, Mighty Thor, where Jane Austen, what's her name? Foster. Jane Foster. Jody Foster. Jody Foster. <laughs> hey, Wanda. Jane. where jane foster becomes thor and so it's those combination stories in the god killer one it's like three different timelines so it's like young thor modern day thor and like thor is an old man and how they come together and through time and space where they had to fight gore 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 the god killer the butcher god butcher and then the jane foster one was kind of i don't really remember it's kind of the same thing she gets cancer she's becomes the Thor, the Mjolnir is killing her, right. and bo- we already said spoiler, right? In, right. In, in the in the comic, she dies, and 
But in the comic, when she goes to Valhalla, she's given a choice to stay or go back, and she goes back and becomes a Valkyrie. Oh, well, you know, I mean, the second ending kind of left things up in the air. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to see if that would happen. That would be fun. And I would also have, it would have been interesting too, if we saw like three different Thors fighting. So like, because they can do it now with the the computers. Yeah, with the like computer animation stuff. Like they could have Thor, like when when we knew him at the very beginning and we could have fat Thor and then like old man Thor, which would all be kind of funny with them interacting with each other. But that would be a different movie. But I would, I wish I could see. Yeah, that would be the Spider-Man No Way Home movie. Yeah, I guess we already have that. Yeah, we don't want to <laughs> double dip it. <laughs> so we talked about the themes, religion, kind of the indigenous look at things. Stylistically, um, it was very bubblegum, I think. Lots of bright colors, very shiny, very pretty. Mm-hmm. Until they get to whatever that planet is or that or rock. The rock. <laughs> That's the gate to eternity, the rock that is the gate to eternity. And so because it steals all of the joy out of the world, it dips into black and white. And I didn't realize how much of a overstimulation it was until they went into black and white. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is cool. And then as I watched it more, I was like, oh, this is very seventh seal. Because he comes out and he's so white, you know, Christian Bale comes out and he's very white, like death. And, you know, they're trying to play this game with him. It's not specifically a chess game, but, you know, kind of a hide and seek with him and trying to get this, that, and the other. And with the shadows and the light and Milner, Mimir was was glowing and, you know, it just really had some really nice depth to the visuals on that part i was like "Ooh, they should you know we always joke about jason wanting to have more artistic films to talk about he could have talked about that part yeah i really did like that part i thought it was really cool really different really interesting like you said you know you had to pop colors and then all of a sudden we go into this black and white and then every once in a while we see bits of color come in and I thought that was really beautiful and i didn't think about seventh seal but when you said that i could i could kind of like see what you're talking about and even like the appearance. I, I, I don't remember Seventh Seal. I haven't seen it since I was like a kid, probably. I, I remember more Bill and Ted's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is also so good. <laughs> and uh, and so I can see how he could resemble the, the, the death character. And I, my feeling is that, he, did he come out of the shadows like that in A little Seven bit. Seal? Oh, in Seventh Seal. You know, it has been a while since I've seen it. So I don't know how they introduced death. Yeah, but I do remember it was like very desolate and it was like not much of a, it was just mostly just was, empty bare lands. Like on a moor or like yeah. in the tundra, there were like tons of Hemsworths involved, tons of Bales. Who else? There, there were a bunch of kids. Was, of, wasn't there some Waititi's also? Yeah, there were Waititi's in there too. Of course, this was filmed during lockdown and Australia was very careful about all the things going on during lockdown. So I imagine that it was handy to have all of these kids on set and to put them to work. <laughs> Which is what you should do. That's right. Hey, you can ask Nikki. We, you know, we had her working when she was that age. So selling stuff. We had retail stores, so she had to work. 
She had to yeah. stock shelves. Child labor. It's good. It was. It was free. It was child labor. No, I think we paid her like a dollar a day. A dollar a day for 10 hours of work. <laughs> what the fuck? She was putting together those Nike shoes. Right. Macintosh products, Apple <laughs> Mac. She she made the first iPod. <laughs> Ask her if she'll tell you, yes, I did. <laughs> And there are some other cameos that we didn't mention. Of course, our our theater geeks will love the reenactment of Ragnarok, which I absolutely adored. Taika does have that background in theater with some of the low-grade special effects that were just lovely. <laughs> so yeah, all the new theater geeks out there will really appreciate the, the new asgard theater yeah so who, who who did we have in our asgard theater oh it was it was the same players it was matt damon and the other one of the other hemsworths one of the brothers and sam neill and then special guest star was melissa mccarthy as what's how, how do you say her name hella hella yeah. which she kind of hinted at you know because we were locked down so of course i was doom scrolling through instagram all the time and so she was kind of making some references to being in Australia at that time and asking Taika to put her in a film and da 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 da. And I didn't even think, you know, I didn't put two and two together because millions of people were dying. But yes, but when so when she showed up on screen, I was like, oh, that's what was happening. Okay. Yeah, that was, you know, there was another way to look at this too. Uh, Gore, 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 the God Butcher. Oh, yeah. It's like if we look at it from like the COVID perspective, is that, you know, he because they said something that he was like he had a virus, right? Well, he the sword was infecting him. Yeah, the sword was infecting him. And so like <laughs> if you looked at it from a COVID perspective, you know, he's he's spreading his COVID to everyone and killing them. But <laughs> that would be one way to look at it or, or something like that, you know. Well, yeah. But that's probably like a very... Maybe oh, not. You just said that and I thought about it, but I don't think I'm, I have a way through it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't finish that thought. Right, uh, right. Oh, so he is the God Butcher. Who's the God Killer? There's actually, I mean, in there. Oh, I don't know. In there, another movie that had. Oh, that was. Uh, it's DC. It was in Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, they always have the same characters, basically. To me, they're, both, uh, they're both swords that can kill gods. Oh, okay. To me, Thor is more Wonder Woman than superman oh you know he's right? like yeah, the boy version actually, of wonder woman yeah because they're I both can, based in mythology i can totally see that so she's not a goober yeah except she's smart but yeah totally now that you say that which would make sense that there'd be a god killer and the amazonians and the valkyries well and if i might just throw this out there i i'm gonna go out there and get all the hate email by saying that the dc universe has done a better job at diversity and equity from the get-go than marvel cinematic universe because anybody who started watching the arrow back in the day will know that they were very diverse because they went pretty quick with wonder woman coming in on the dceu what was the first dceu movie was it batman versus superman oh gosh i hope it was superman superman was first right so, uh man of steel man of steel where he was a fisherman yeah fisherman of steel yeah emo man of steel emo he was emo man of steel and so then, so yeah, like, so then Batman vs. Superman comes in and Wonder Woman shows up. Then the TV shows series came along and all they went straight up because it's Greg Berlanti who's like 
Yes. What I say, CW is uh, com means completely woke because <laughs> it's like every, <laughs> every diversity thing on there. Like they got a native person on there. They have. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, they, they aired the uh, Trickster series on yeah. CW. Yeah. And then um, you have a lot of like uh, LGBTQ plus representation. Yeah. Uh, strong female characters. And then if, even if you look at Lego Batman, Apache Chief is, has a cameo appearance in there. So I think they were the first to have a native character on, on the big screen. Nice. Our friend Taika is busy taking over the Star Wars universe. Did you watch Boba Fett? Not yet. I watched the other oh. one. No, yeah. If you watch Mandalorian and Boba Fett, actually that's something we should talk about just because of the way that the indigenous people are handled in it. Okay. Because there was a lot of conversations about that on Twitter, on social media, about the desert people and how mm. they, how Boba Fett interacted with them. Because he himself, isn't he Maori? The actor is, yes. Yeah. So, which moves us into a different fandom than what we're talking about right now. But Taika is moving into that world. Reservation Dogs season two comes out. Also, in, in the other thing too, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're good. But thinking about Taika Waititi is that he, his thing was that he wanted to have like indigenous representation in these Marvel movies and, and also in Star Wars, it seems like, but at least within the Marvel movies, when he did Ragnarok, you know, he put in like the little indigenous Easter eggs, like the colors of like the uh, uh, indigenous flag. And there were like, like references to style and clothing that were indigenous. And um, he would, but beyond that, he would also bring in people to who were Maori to come and come work on their shows and and also in Australia which is Aboriginal peoples to oh, work right. like behind the scenes in training and those kind of things and his thing was like you know this was the shit that I never got offered so I wanted to make sure these uh, our people get offered and you know these easter eggs are for us you know that no one else is really gonna know them but indigenous folks you know Oh, nice. Because that's what Sierra and Sterling are doing, is bringing up the next generation of filmmakers and content exactly. creators and sticking in all those little Easter eggs that we get. That's awesome. I love that. More, please. Playing for Dances with Wolves, too, though, honestly. <laughs> It'll be called Dances with Wolves 2, Dunbar's Last Dance. <laughs> I mean, they're bringing back all these people from the 80s and 90s anyway. They might as well bring back Dunbar. Oh, I'm sorry. One last Are they really making it? I don't know. I'm just making oh, shit up. Oh, oh my god! Dun, like, Dunbar goes full engine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bad enough that Avatar is coming out, and Avatar two, three, four, five with the blue indigenous people. So, what is your like history with Thor? Is it always been the movies, or did you know them in the comics, or how'd you know? I was not a comic book reader. I was always a TV watcher, so I watched The Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman and Electro Woman and Dinah Girl and Shazam. I watched all of the, you know, Justice League, Super Friends. That's where I came up. Came That's the media that I came through. So Thor wasn't really in all of those. It was mostly, now that I think about it, it's mostly DC. Well, so you, I you remember Thor did show up in The Incredible Hulk. He did. Now that I think about it. Him and Daredevil both. That's, I wonder how they pulled that off. Because they were Marvel characters. 
I mean, I just remember as a kid thinking, why why does he just lose his shirt and not his pants? Well, they it explained it in the other Hulk movie. He he buys stretchy pants. Well, back in the seventies, that was not well, a thing. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, Lycra was just getting started. I don't even remember Thor showing up on it. I just remember liking the show. I think I was more enamored with the Bionic Woman. And Wonder Woman, just because they were, you know, ladies that were kicking ass. So. And what about a uh, Isis and Donna Oh, Mighty Isis! <laughs> yes, Electra Woman and Donna Girl. Oh, is that what it was Electra Woman and Donna Girl? Was that what it yes. was? Yes. Who was Isis? Was that her real name? Oh, Mighty Isis! Ah, oh, that was such a good show. Oh, that was who she called to to get the power. She did. Oh, it was a cartoon and a TV show. The oh, Secret. I didn't know that of ices all right so like i guess let's talk about like uh so what were your likes and dislikes if you want to talk about those the likes it was funny i did like jane being back and being able to kick ass the thing one of the things that bothered me a little bit was i felt like there was some pandering to the kids audience but that's fine i mean it's a summer movie parents are going to take their kids and if you look at it in the bigger picture they did a really good job of bringing the kids in because again spoiler alert you know once he imbues them with the power of thor it was that was super fun watching those kids do that i mean the whole stuff with zeus was so great he was really funny he really played the pompous ass really well the introduction of hercules i'm interested to see where that's gonna go because and you know people people will deny this but there was a lot of homosexual overtones to this obviously i mean valkyrie talks about her girlfriend yes and uh core Yes, Cork talks that about was his kind of more, more subtle, but it talked about a male and a male relationship within, yeah. the, within their race or whatever you call it. And one thing that I will give Tyka this is he always shoots from the female gaze or the gay male gaze. He doesn't shoot from the male gaze, which I appreciate. That was one of the biggest problems with, was it Justice League, where the Amazonians were like in you know, in the first couple movies, the Amazonians are in full battle gear. And all of a sudden in Justice League or whichever one it was, they're like in bikinis and they're fighting. And everybody's just like, seriously? Right. And then there's like, the specifically with the uh, Josh, whatever his name, version was where there was like this awkward close-up of Wonder Woman's ass. Right. And then where she falls on Flash and, or Flash falls on her. Yeah. You know. That's the male gaze, whereas I think Taika is very deliberate about avoiding that, which is... Well, we get a full backside, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but it's a four. Exactly. That's what I mean. I mean, (laughs) how much more... (laughs) (laughs) What do you call it when you you show nudity like that? Fun. (laughs) (laughs) Or just like, like just, just... Ass for ass, ass sake. Gratuitous. It's gratuitous. Gratuitous, yeah. (laughs) Gratuitous nudity. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see the gratuitous nudity on the other gender. But I think it kind of happens to an extent with the muscular Marvel characters too, is that you, you never go without a shirtless person. Let me tell you, when the first Thor came out, again, my geeky girlfriends and I all went. And yeah, we, yeah, that was... 
So initially I was like, meh about the whole thing, just because I thought it was pretty service level. But the more I think about it, the more I read and learn more about the comics, the more layers I see of it and the more I like it. What about you? Yeah, I think like uh, overall, I did like it. I mean, I mean, I, I like when so the way I watch a movie is based on like the promise of the premise. What's the what's the premise going to be? What's it going to be about? What is it that it's trying to sell? Is it trying to sell me a deep thinking intellectual film or is it just a fun, cute silly romp you know and so this was the cute silly romp and i was prepared for it because i saw ragnarok i knew what i was expecting and and i knew there would be levels there's always levels in movies there's always something you learn from a movie at least you know from my perspective you know there's always something that you get out of it because you know movies take a lot of time so it's hard for me to like just hate a movie i can dislike a movie based on my own personal feeling but when I go to a movie knowing what I'm expecting, I'm not going to be disappointed. So if I watch Ace Ventura is like an old movie, to eat, but that's a movie that a lot of people hated. But I love that movie. I think it's hilarious. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it plays well today, but <laughs> at the time I watched it, I, I liked that movie because it was hilarious. And I was expecting it to be a stupid, funny movie and nothing more. And so this is kind of like that, that fun, silly summer movie to watch. So I did like that. So if I thought thought of it on that level, I liked it. But if I were to say, if I were like the the Saturday Saturday afternoon producer, I would say I would probably say it's the same beats as Ragnarok. It's like I said, it's a road picture about getting to back to the big baddie, and I felt like it had more stakes than Ragnarok did because in Ragnarok, everybody kind of gets killed already. And then the only real stakes is Hamdale trying to get away from her or hiding the people from her. Right. And in this one, it's more personal stakes because we have a character that started in 2012 who is dying of cancer, which is a big real issue. And because how movies work, we have to, we connect personally with people as opposed to connecting with like lesser known people, I guess you could say. So Ragnarok is sad because it's it's a genocide if you think of it on that level. But as you're watching it, you're not really feeling it. You're feeling it to a point, but you're not like connected to the people. Whereas with Jane Foster, you're connected to her. So you want to see what would happen with her. And then, and so, you know, that kind of thing happened. And my feeling was like, I, I wish that it was more about Jane Foster than Thor and that Gore, Gore, Gar, Gore guy, because it's their story pretty much. Oh, and, yeah. this, and this is called Thor, but she is a Thor. So it could still be about her. And like in the comic book, they kind of held off to find out until we found out that it was Jane Foster. And I kind of felt like this could have held off to where it was mostly from Hemsworth's Thor's point of view, where he meets mighty Thor for the first time, not knowing who it is. And it isn't until probably where she's in the bathroom at, and hits the sink. That we we all find out who it is. I mean, you know, the movie oh, yeah. the commercials ruined it anyway. But if this was a storytelling device, we would see that. So we'd have Korg telling the story of Thor at the beginning, and then he would then tell the story of Jane Foster. And at some point, he would talk about him and Jane Foster. They could even probably she could probably even reveal himself, reveal herself at Asgard. But he could tell the story about. Thor and Jane Foster then and then when we find out she has cancer or when she find we see her like all sickly and stuff 
then he would tell the story about Jane Foster, what happened from the time Thor left until she got cancer, how she held up, what she did, how she found the thing. And I would have liked to see her turn into Thor because that would have been fun. Because in the original one, we see all like the armor grip fall onto his arm and it looks really cool. And so I would like to see that happen with Jane Foster where she becomes Thor. And then we say, oh shit, all right, yeah. And I think that would have been like a fun, like exciting moment. Yeah, because they kind of leave you hanging whenever she shows up at Asgard and Mew Mew starts glowing. And then the thing that that is the problematic with this bad guy is that he's not really like a threatening bad guy. We, we don't really catch much of them in the middle parts because usually in like stories, they're always the constant threat, always something happening to the main character. And that's what makes him such a good bad guy where we just kind of get him fighting with Thor at the beginning. There's not a middle fight with him, I don't think. And then there's an end fight. I mean, if anything, it's on that black and white planet. There's a, That's the middle fight, but that's almost towards the end because that's where the that's third like act starts the happening. Gate. Yeah. And then the other thing too was like, uh, as much as like Tessa Thompson, I think she's great. I, I really like her. I think she's great as this character and I think she's a good actress. And I love seeing her in this movie. I really wanted to see it be more Sif being in there with, with the guys instead of Valkyrie. Because Sif got kind of got short shrift too because she didn't really do much. And she's like a fan favorite. And the idea would be like, you know, because it's about kind of these love triangle between these two hammers. It could be this love triangle between Sif because she's in love with Thor as it was set up in the first episode films right and, and so what if she was the one who's like kind of talking with Thor and saying hey you need to get you know helping him out even though she's still loves him and the, the, the threat of you know death would be with her too you know and, and what would happen with her hmm. and then the other thing was for me the the overarching theme and I don't know if it was as strong and it could have been stronger was it was about overcoming loss so Thor you know has lost people throughout he lost his mom he lost his dad he lost his brother he lost his three friends he lost Hamdale he basically lost his home. tribe yeah his home and everyone's dying he lost Tony Stark you know he lost Phil Coulson <laughs> you know it's all these losses that he has and now that he's finally gotten back with Jane Foster he's going to have to feel loss again and it's there but i kind of wish it was there stronger about like it's okay to lose somebody it's okay for somebody to die and again i guess that's also thinking about with covid this could be like a theme about covid because that's what happened with us you know we lost a lot of people we were close to during covid you know like it was almost like once a month someone was dying and sometimes two people a month <laughs> or more you know and yeah. you know and i got to the point like you know like my family, you know, I, was, I couldn't even count on my fingers how many people had died with even just within my family, you know. And so to have that kind of healing that happens with le death and loss of talking about COVID and those kind of things would have been interesting on that level and ha saying that it's OK to let people go. It's OK to let them die. And so I guess the other thing, too, is when they get to what was it, eternity? Yes. What would happen if it was either Jane Foster or Thor who got the wish and how would that play out right because the eternity only awarded one wish to the first person that got there right and so i, I would wonder what the, how that would play out because you know if jane foster got there you would think all right she'd want to be healed 
she could be the one who says, give him back his daughter and she would die and sacrifice herself. And that's a hero move, right? In a way. Yeah, and I, I did kind of wonder about that, about why he, Gore, got there first instead of our other ones. Because either Jane or Thor would have had a huge conflict about who to pick. Because, I mean, even Thor could have gone back to the snap. Right, right. I mean, there's so many ways that it could have gone and we could have seen the different ways. And having Gore choose it, I guess it was fine. I wasn't against it, but I would wonder what if it was the other two characters, specifically Jane Foster, because the obvious thing would be, you know, heal my cancer. And so you assume that's what she's going to say. And then instead she says, you know, let his daughter come back. Or even if Thor did that, you know, instead of whispering what her her final word would be, she would just whisper, bring back the daughter. Because, and right. even though, right. and so he'd have to make that hard choice. And he Which would have to come back. You, you know, all of this was discussed in the writer's room. I mean, they had to have discussed all these scenarios. So it would have been interesting to hear how they landed on this one, because right. it does seem like the stakes would be higher if Thor or Jane had to make that choice and then sacrifice herself for the greater good. Because, yeah, it's very much a hero slash God move. And so then again, it would say, you know, mm-hmm. because what we're also seeing is that, you know, not all gods are bad, you know. Some of them are Thors, you know? <laughs> right. And that would say something about that, too. And I guess that does kind of say that, too, in a way. But it's not really stated in a very concrete way. You have to read into no. it. One other thing that I just thought of that has nothing to do with that is there's no discussion of Loki and all of the time variants. Right. And that hasn't come up at all, really. And I wonder that they're just sticking to that with the TV shows. The whole Loki series was just so good. Mm-hmm. And it set up so many good scenarios and the next big bad is what everybody was theorizing that I'm surprised that Loki didn't come up. Right. I kind of miss Loki because that's always been the duality of the shows was having movies, but maybe he's just in, you know, he has to be just in those first three. And now we have to have a different kind of duo, I guess. Yeah, but we always miss the trickster. Yeah, exactly. Because it's they're butting heads against each other. Well, and, and our, our cultures all have tricksters in them, so. Yeah. All right. Okay. So with Mighty Thor, yeah, she, she didn't really have, like, much of that kind of conflict going on with her, right? So, like, okay, so Mighty Thor, she, like, yeah, she doesn't have much, like, real conflict with them, except for maybe at the beginning a little bit. And so... No, they kind of, I realize the time is short for her, but everything kind of fell into place quickly. I would like to see her come back and be the new duo of of him and her, or even a, a total, like, her own episode, her own stories. Yeah, well, I don't see Marvel greenlighting a Jane Foster movie. Right. I mean, oh, I know. We barely got Black Widow. Because I saw Guardians of the Galaxy in the commercials. I was really excited to see Guardians of the Galaxy, but they don't even, <laughs> they're just there for like the first 10 minutes and I kind of like felt let down. But what would have been fun is like if this was like a true road movie and he would meet with like all these different characters that we know in the Marvel Universe and have like these brief moments with them. Kind of like, oh, yeah, he totally could have met up with Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And that would have been kind of fun and funny. That would have been fun. But again, they were shooting it during COVID, so that might have... Yeah, I keep forgetting that, yeah. Limited some plans. Well, that's when they got those little big big screens of the background so they could put people in. (laughs) That's true. I mean, so much green screen. I mean, that whole... I feel like that whole movie was green screen. Right. I think most movies nowadays are. There's no 
Star Wars were in that. And so then, um, so yeah, so those are kind of like my thoughts of like the like Saturday morning producer of like, I wish I could have seen this. I wish I had seen this. I wish I saw that. But like overall, like I said, it was a good movie. It's a fun movie. And, you know, there's nothing terrible or bad. It was all great. It was the perfect summer popcorn movie. Exactly. All right. Real quick. What's your theory of phase, whatever this is? What is this, phase four? So I think that we're moving into the next phase and setting up the new adventures because, I mean, what? It's been 12 years. So a lot of these folks that are the OG, are they've been doing it a long time. You know, so it's kind of nice to see this more diverse group coming up. Doctor Strange introduced, not Ms. Marvel. Oh, 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 uh, America, America Chavez. So she's in there. Ms. Marvel is in there. So I think that Captain Marvel will end up, I mean, in theory, be a leader of the new Avengers. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has definitely expanded. They're opening up new timelines. They're opening up new realms. So they have a lot more areas to go. It's starting, but again, it's kind of starting to fall into the comic book problem. Whereas, you know, you kind of run a character to ground and let them sit for a while and then you hire a new writer and then they resurrect them in some soap opera e way and take them off on a new adventure, right? Right. So it's going to, be interesting to see how they handle this next phase without it getting diluted mm-hmm. so yeah oh on a turn on that my favorite phase four movie is this movie because i haven't been really like in love with the previous movies which was like doctor strange spider-man what else was there i don't know but i love eternals oh oh yeah the eternals we all know how candace feels about the eternals <laughs> the other thing I felt about the Marvel movies is that it's like it's starting to become more soap opera. And that's what I've been kind of talking about before is like this is bec- these are more like TV series or even serials of the old school days, like serial movies where it's a continuation of everything. And that's what comic books are, too. Right. Right. And so I felt like at least with like uh, Doctor Strange, it was just to introduce uh, America Chavez and move forward to an extent, even like Spider-Man was kind of because it kind of threw us into the multiverse right and, and so i think that the tv shows are doing a little bit stronger in the storytelling and this one felt like it was wasn't like to push the story forward this one kind of felt like it was more a storyline within itself and not having to bring in a new character to say here's our new character and they're going to be the new avenger and we're ready to go yeah, Without. it's kind of like Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. the more f- forgettable Iron Man movie. I liked Iron Man 3. I don't even remember what it was about. It's about the Mandarin. Oh, that's right. And oh, Iron, did you not Iron like Man... Chi? Huh? Shang-Chi is... Oh, yeah, Shang-Chi, well, Shang-Chi. That one, I yeah, that one... really liked Shang-Chi. That one I did like. There was something that I, I can't remember what I, I had missed. It. I felt like it should have been more in that to that land with the, all the monsters and stuff. And, oh. the threat, and it was a threat was trying to save that place. But right. that's a different movie. So, yeah, I felt like this one was like one of my the better of phase four. But Shang-Chi, I don't know. I have to watch it again. Maybe it's equal or Shang-Chi is better. I really liked it. We're Anything else? You said we were in phase four. I believe so. Is that correct? Shang-Chi... Eternals, No Way Home, Love and Thunder. Okay. Black oh, Widow, not- Black Black Widow, um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, The Wakanda Forever. That's coming up. That, that's coming up. Quantumania should move things along. Guardians of the Galaxy three uh, and the Marvels. Is that a Miss Marvel? 
Well, this is The Marvels with Brie Larson and Tiana Paris. It looks like a fat, Fantastic Four. Oh, is Fantastic Four coming in Marvel uh, Phase Four? According to Wikipedia. Oh, well, that kills my theory. Or may you still do it. So The Marvels has Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, okay. and Monica Rambeau. Okay. Which Monica Rambeau showed up in wandavision and she was miss marvel in the multiverse of madness she was captain, captain marvel. marvel captain marvel so uh quantum mania comes out next year guardians of the galaxy 3 next year the marvels next year and then no date on fantastic four okay final thoughts final thoughts support our creative natives get out there and watch love and thunder it's a lot of fun it really is a lot of fun my my friends loved the soundtrack there was a lot of head banging going on Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the soundtrack. So so you loved it, huh? I thought it was pretty heavy on Guns N' Roses. I was never a big Dio fan, but I do love a good headbanger. So I will rock out. Yeah, yeah. I I liked the previous one of the because like it's hard for me to like movies after I mean songs after the 80s. But but I, I've learned to appreciate Guns N' Roses. But I did like the heavy metal of uh, Led Zeppelin. But didn't Queen have a song about Hammer? I thought it was just Zeppelin. Yeah, Queen had Hammer to Fall. There's also If I Had a Hammer by Pete Seeger. And then there's MC Hammer who had Here Comes the Hammer. And y'all know some of y'all out there got some hammer toes. But there's also the Kiss song, God of Thunder, right? Probably. So that, that should have played. And the other thing that they missed the opportunity of, which I thought was going to happen, because at the beginning, remember, they did. Oh, that was the other thing about the show, too, is that like it's almost like a TV series now because they have teasers at the beginning of the movies. Whereas oh, originally like movies. Been, yeah, code open because this had a code in other movies that had code opens. But anyways, but where they had like the guitar playing the, the theme song. Do you know who the guitar who that was? Was that anybody famous? It, it was. Because um, I know they got Tom Morello to do the Iron Man one. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking of the other one. Okay, so it's not somebody, they're not naming them like they okay. did in the, um, the other one. Who was that? What movie was that? There was a movie that had like a kick-ass guitar and it was somebody from some famous band that they brought in for the soundtrack. And now, oh my gosh. Oh. Well, the one I know of, like Iron Man, they brought in Tom Morello, who's from uh, Rage Against the Machine, and oh, he yeah. played guitar on that, doing the Iron Man theme. And then, like, uh, well, what, what I was thinking of, because in Ragnarok, it had that kind of uh, 80s style John Carpenter-esque music, you know, with like, almost sounded like the heavy, like, uh, synthesizer keys. And then, so, like, I was wondering, I, what I wish, because they were playing the guitar stuff, is like, it made me think, like, you know, Brian May is still alive. So I wish that he had done the soundtrack like they did with the, uh, what was it? Flash, right? Flash Gordon. <laughs> and, and so that, oh, that, Queen, yes. Yeah, they should have had even a theme song. <laughs> Thor, he's for everyone. Uh. <laughs> I guess Freddie Mercury's dead. We can't have him singing. But, <laughs> but we could bring in a singer. But yeah, I wish they, they had done that. That would have been so awesome if they had. That would have been awesome. Now, I mean, out. James Gunn dipped his toe into that a little bit with that disco theme song oh. for oh, yeah. Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, yeah. And they were playing off the uh, Star the Wars. Miko. Yeah, the Miko stuff that you like. But anyways, 
sorry, I, 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 I went off topic again. What was what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about the film, the soundtrack. You know, I liked it, but I, I, I wish that we, we had more like the original music done in a rock and roll style or even bring Guns N' Roses slash to play some stuff. I mean, I'm sure he's not an alcoholic and drug addict anymore, so he'll probably play well and sing well and Axel could sing well. Oh, oh, Only Time by Inya. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Oh, my gosh, that was so funny. But then, yeah, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, November Rain. So, yeah, it was pretty thick on that. They did play Our Last Summer by ABBA, Uh which was super fun. And then, of course, when they played Mary J. Blige, I mean, I think every every female in the theater started jamming, (laughs) just like they did on screen. That was fun. The Old Spice bit was funny. Fighting by Michael Raphael. Goodies by Sierra. And then Rainbow in the Dark. Which I guess I can I probably shouldn't complain about the candy colors because that's that was Ragnarok, you know, when yeah. they were in the city. Oh, I liked them. I, I didn't think it was a problem. I like I liked I liked the colors because I thought they were like really bright and pretty. It was just like I, I didn't think they were a distraction or bad. Well, and I didn't really notice it until the it all went away because yeah ragnarok is very bright it is and colorful very very joel schumacher i won't go that far but it was pretty bright <laughs> like everybody had like really like just popping colors in their clothing yeah kiss god of thunder trained to reign as the one god of thunder and rock and roll the spell okay. you're under will slowly rob you it's of your virgin god. soul <laughs> Thunder. I do not recognize that. Do not know it. Oh my god. I mean, it's from yeah, it's from Destroyer, so I should know it. But fuck yeah, you should know it. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Yeah, I, like I said, fun movie, sweet movie. It's good to see like Taika Waititi get to do Marvel movies. That, that when you know he did Ragnarok, you know that was a big deal for all of us because it was like holy shit. All right, not many indigenous people get to do these kind of big things. I think Lee Tomahari did the James uh, James Bond movie or two, and other than that, you know, it's like you know you hardly ever get to get to see it and enjoy it and love it and think oh shit. And, you know, and like, you know, Taco he's like a sweet dude. So, you know, you, you want them to win. Same with like, you know, all our native peoples who are making these shows and movies and stuff. You know, everybody wants everybody to win. So it's definitely good to see that, see these movies, see it once or twice and take your friends and family because it's good for the kitties too. It is. It really is. Yeah. Support your creative natives. Is that it? Are, are you going to say the closing? All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Same indigenous time, same indigenous channel. Remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real indigenous.